Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. Culture Club. Money of M89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. Elliot Dank and Timothy Go and Willie King with you. I'm quite excited about our next conversation as a bit of a former barman myself, although just a part timer. <laughs> it's never too early for a drink. Well, it's five o'clock somewhere in the world. But uh, imagine this. Our next guest back in 2012 realized that Singapore didn't have a spirit to call its own. So that sparked the whole six year journey. Yeah, to master the art and science of distillation under master distillers all over the world. We're talking about spirits that you can drink and feel good about. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, it culminates in Singapore's first fully-fledged micro-distillery, a brass lion distillery, which produces spirits that encapsulate the essence of Singapore. What is the essence of yeah. Singapore? <laughs> that is the question of the day. Uh, let's get into it. In the studio with us this afternoon is Jamie Coe the founder of Brass Lion Distillery. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Uh, so I guess to start us off, a bit of an icebreaker, uh, gin or whiskey? Ooh, we make both, so it's... But, but what <laughs> kind of person are you? I drink both. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Can't get anything. All right, it's all you. So what, what, what is the spirit of Singapore? What gives it a Singapore, a distinctly Singapore taste or brand or flavor? We try to use ingredients from this part of the world. Mm -hmm. So when I first started my journey, the idea that sparked it was because um, I felt that it was a huge shame that Singapore didn't have a spirit to call her own. And if you think about, you know, a classic Singaporean cocktail, like the Singapore Sling, for Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. it's a gin-based cocktail and... At bars, we're using foreign gin as the base for that. Mm. And we kind of wanted to create a tropical spirit, so something that reflects, you know, our tropical weather, something more citrusy, more refreshing, and that uses botanicals from this part of the world. So, Mm. for example, our Singapore dry gin has things like chrysanthemum flowers, lemongrass, um, you know, mandarin peel. So, we source from around the distillery as well. So, as far as possible, really, really things that we know and we're familiar with in our food and our cuisine and culture. So... When you talk about gin or whiskey, for that matter, what kind of flavors are people expecting? And with the flavors that you're infusing in the Singapore spirit, Mm -hmm. will it be a very big change for them? We have many, many different kinds of gins. Mm -hmm. So the Singapore Dry Gin is our first product. It's our variant of the classic London Dry style kind of gin. So when people think of gin, that is the usual style that they think of. Mm -hmm. Our Singapore Dry Gin is a tropical gin, so it's lighter than a a London Dry. Typically, a London Dry tends to be more juniper forward, more dry, like heavily spiced, Mm. right? Good for colder weather. We deliberately dialed down on that Mm. just so that we could have, you know, the citrus shine through. So great for drinking on the beach. So that's our variant of the mm. London Dry. But we also have other products. So when people come in and say, you know, I know what gin is, but, okay. you know, we like to challenge that because we have the Butterfly Pea Gin mm. and we have the Pahit, which is mm-hmm. a spice gin. Okay. Um, we have a tea series that we've launched, right? Oh. So your Osmanthus Oolong Gin and right. your Pearl Jasmine, which we launched for um, in August as well. And this doesn't necessarily cater to a younger demographic because <laughs> you've got all the millennials and or even the Gen X who are quite interested in such things. Yes, I think it doesn't span across. So people ask what the, our target audience is I think in the past gin used to be known as an older person's drink yeah. I think it's changing now yes, it's uh, changed definitely, a lot, definitely yeah. a lot younger yeah. people but yeah. it spans across so we get people from their 20s all the mm. way to 60s 70s okay. you know yeah what does it take to start your own distillery <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
My balcony How much time do you have? <laughs> no, but yeah. did tell us some of the challenges in starting one. Well, first, when I wanted to learn in 2012, there was no one who could teach me. So mm-hmm. I had to mm. first enroll myself in distilling school in the US. And then I had to... So that was, you know, for the theoretical knowledge. And then to gain the practical knowledge, I had to write into distillers all around the world right. and um, ask if they would take me in as an unpaid apprentice. And oh, Everyone said no, but fortunately, managed to find a stint in Charleston, South Carolina. Did a little stint in the UK, and finally, we ended up in the Black Forest of Germany, and we found our master distiller, Frank, and we went and trained under him, and that was where we also developed the recipe for the Singapore Dry Gin. Okay. So that was the first bit. The harder bit was actually, you know, coming back to Singapore 2015, 2016, and trying to get all the licenses sorted. There was no distilling license. Mm. Use of the building, that whole yeah. use that we wanted, also didn't exist, so it was about almost three years of trying mm. to get the relevant license. Mm. Yeah, and is the journey worth it? Yes, of course. <laughs> um, it was definitely a lot of hard work, but you know that part has ended. We've, we've done it, and mm-hmm. now the real work starts, right? Which is building that brand and building a global brand. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyone dare to ask about the capital that's involved in putting a distillery together? Can we? Uh, sure. I mean, when we first. It was interesting because when we first bought the still, which is, you know, what we used to distill, yeah. a very expensive piece of metal, uh, six figures. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Um, we actually didn't have the license to bring it into Singapore mm-hmm. <laughs> because it takes six months to customize and six months to bring into Singapore. It's not small yet, I think. It's, it's huge. It's one yeah. time. One it almost time. broke the road. That okay. was outside wow. the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's big. And yeah. So it was a big risk because when we paid for that still, we didn't have the distilling license. But it couldn't have worked the other way because we couldn't have gotten the building yeah. and then waited a year for yeah. it to come. Wow. Do you think there will be a market for a Singapore-made uh, spirit overseas? Because our market is quite small, so you will have to market this in the region and around the world. Yes. So it is, you know, when we started Brassline, we really wanted... I mean, obviously, it'll be, it would have been a lot easier to just make it elsewhere, somewhere where they had an established distilling industry mm-hmm. and just bring it to Singapore. But we really wanted to base ourselves in Singapore and to make the product in Singapore, have our brand home, which is in Alexandra. Mm-hmm. So that's say, saying that, right? Having said that, um, we still need to have that overseas market because Singapore, like you said, is a very, very small market. So from the get-go, we knew that we had to export overseas. Um, mm-hmm. COVID, unfo- we opened kind of right into COVID. But mm-hmm. um, I guess this year is the year that you know we're starting to... To make some presence and make some footprints overseas. How do you find the right space? I know you mentioned Alexandra, but do you have a vision or an idea of the right space to, to set up a distillery? Yeah, we didn't want to be... Firstly, um, because we're manufacturing, mm. we were told to go to Tuas or Manda, your yeah, typical manufacturing imagine, zone. So yeah. to me, that's definitely not the right space because mm. we didn't want to just be holed up in an industrial building somewhere making gin and no one can come and visit us. Yeah. It would be very sad. You end up drinking um, more of the gin. Yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> to draw my sorrows. <laughs> so we didn't want that. I knew that I didn't want to be also like the, the other extreme, which is super commercial, just yeah. in a mall or something. Mm-hmm, okay. We wanted to be in a place with some an interesting building, something with heritage. You know, Even all my bars and restaurants that have opened in the past we are always in the corner we're either a standalone building or in the corner Um, so when we found this space we're in Alexandra but if you think of like Maple Tree Business City you have the tall like your office buildings Mm. right? your Google is there your Nike is there like these office buildings and then you have us which is a mini like two-story building it used to be an old like wood warehouse and it's just it's just there in the middle of everything so we thought that it had a lot of charm and character and Mm. so something like that was what we had looked for when we first were looking for spaces all right, so you also created uh, Singapore's first ever whiskey. 
Yep, that's right. <laughs> I mean, people will not have thought of connecting Singapore to whiskey. How was it like? That's why we did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did it uh, actually from the get go. We knew. I mean, we focus on gin, but when we customized the still, we knew that we kind of made it so that we could make whiskey and rum at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so when the opportunity came, and we only have one barrel, so it was really like passion project for fun. Like okay. since we can do it, let's just do it. And no one's done it before, so let's just see how this barrel will age in Singapore's climate. Mm-hmm. Um, That's yeah. what I was thinking the entire time because I'm a whiskey man myself. Yeah. I'm like, how does that work here? Yeah. So we have. You know, high temperature compared to Scotland, for example, high temperatures, high humidity, yeah. accelerated humidity, yes. aging. You know, we we lose a ah, lot more. Okay, yes, but the yes, flavors yes. get taken on a lot quicker as well. So, how does it taste? How would you how would you describe the Singapore whiskey? So we're launching next month. Mm. <laughs> After four years, people have been asking, "When are you releasing your whiskey?" And so we're launching next month. I would say that the whiskey, you know, it's not your overly peaty style that kind of okay. whiskey because you know we're in Singapore, you yeah. know. So I would say that you know it's your vanilla. It's an ex bourbon cast, so vanilla, apricot notes. Oh. Um, so yeah, very very nice, easy drinking. That, that's yeah. quite easy, and we have quite the market for for whiskey drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it should be quite interesting. And if you talk about accelerated aging of your whiskey, is that going to be better? You well, can it's do better. It, you can do six and twelve. I mean, twelve years and six or something. Something like that. Like that. So I mean, the Indian whiskey, um, Kavalan, for example, in in Taiwan, you know, it's also you know the same kind of mm. humid know, weather. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. So it takes on the flavors a lot quicker than let's say a place like Scotland, which is good. Mm-hmm. However, you lose a lot more. Because <laughs> of the evaporation and yeah, you lose a lot more of the volume of what. Of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. You know the angel share. It just and angels and drink it. it. Yes, <laughs> and you got the angels drink it. I like the way you put that, Jimmy. It got, it got me curious, especially with what what Tim was talking about, right? Because with the whiskey drinkers market, there tends to be. For lack of a better choice, it's a little bit arrogant to say well, this is a 50-year-old whatever, right? But with this sort of accelerated aging, Singapore, how, how will you market this product? It is Singapore's first ever whiskey that is made and distilled entirely here. And we actually subjected it to our full Singapore weather. I actually joke because the day that we barreled it was the day the Indonesian haze came into Singapore. Oh. So I was like, oh, it's so a, it's a smoky, smoky whiskey. whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, um, so you don't need 12 years yeah, right? <laughs> to taste something that tastes like 12 years. Mm. So I think it, it's very interesting because a lot of people are very, very curious, right? What, what, what's this going to yeah. taste like? Yeah. And I said, you, you guys come on the journey with us and mm. we're going to see it because no one's done it before. I mean, we don't know how, if you asked us back when we did it in 2019, how it's going to taste after four years. Like we have no benchmark as okay, well like okay. so we're on this exploring journey together mm-hmm. yeah but it's we've tasted it now and it's yeah. turned out pretty well so okay yeah. oh. Oh, so and, and this, this is four years since you started yes the, the, yes how does it taste like great awesome <laughs> actually we took it out at the one year mark uh-huh. and we did a blind taste test so we brought it to bars and we didn't tell them what it was okay. and some of the whiskey aficionados thought it was a five-year whiskey so so taste a five-year so that was at the one, one that was at the one year mark yeah but not, it's not bad actually Why and if you look have? at the color because a lot of whiskey like you know a lot of people think that whiskey oh the darker the better Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, be careful. Uh, it's a, it's a yeah. miss because a lot of people add stuff, yes. add coloring to it, yes. right. and we never add. We don't add anything to All it. Right. It's just like pure straight from the cask, and um, we we're very surprised because the color, even after one year, was actually it took on a lot of the color. Yeah. Mm. So could be the climate. I wanted to have sign up for this blind tasting test. <laughs> <laughs> Not turn up the work. Um, okay, so you guys are looking to become a world-renowned brand. What's the tactic here? What's the plan? 
What's the plan? So we spent, um, I guess, all of 2019 really building the brand very mm. strongly within Singapore. We did a lot of events. And then immediately after that, you know, so I mean, barring COVID, but we started reaching out to various countries all around the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we did that, actually, we registered the trademark. Um, okay. So we registered the, the logo as well as the word Mark Brass Lion. Mm. Um, to many, many countries, mm-hmm. um, especially countries that we really wanted to be in. And then right now, we're in the process of, you know, we're in several countries already and we're in the process of slowly building and going there. So we're doing it like an event in Australia, for example, oh, next wow. month. And so just trying to slowly build this Singaporean brand. I always feel like I fly the Singapore flag because when I go overseas, even in like gin festivals or whatever, yeah. like they give us like a booth and they put the Singapore flag there. So I kind of feel like, you that know. sounds nice yeah. actually. Being the only one yeah. too. That is. Yeah. So yeah. now, I mean, the industry is was very young when yeah. we first started. We actually wrote the license mm-hmm. with the authorities because they gave us a brewing license to apply which is for beer right but now you know i think it's great that we kind of started that whole conversation and there are more and more um distillers coming out in the market oh. yeah this is good for good for drinkers <laughs> and, for it. Singapore. <laughs> and for singapore <laughs> we've been speaking with jamie co-founder of brassland distillery thank you so much for coming by the studio today thank you for having me to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.